It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vader's his father. They're allergic to water. She's his sister and her daughter. You watched it from Wacky Races. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wacky Race miniseries. This is Wade. And this is Siggy. You're listening to the podcast You Watched It Wrong, and we're in the middle, right in the sort of middle of our miniseries on wacky race movies. Those those lovely ensemble comedies where it's just one it's just one race. The whole movie's just one race way, not like a series of races, even if there might be qualifying heats over and over again for half the movie. <laughs> even if there might be practice runs on your flying machines. Even if there oh, might be, don't remind me. you know, um, we've been getting pretty good about the race, like starting really quickly into these movies. And now, ooh, uh, that, that, uh, and, and hmm, we kind of cooled off here with today's installment, this episode's installment, which is a, a, a selection that I was really surprised that you suggested we throw in here. By the way, our series, we're in the middle of it. It's a middle that's expanding quite a bit as we speak. It's a middle that's really stretching that out. So like. I was surprised that you chose, said we should consider this one. I'm like, okay, I'm always up for a Herbie movie, man. We're doing Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know it counted, honestly. And And I'm not sure. I'm only, I only think it counts about 68%. It counts as much as those magnificent men in their flying machines. Damn right. Um, (laughs) In which which I think it does, because the entire movie is preparing for one race. So right. it's not like Ford v Ferrari where like they do another races is because they're warming up. But, you know, there's no circuit. Right. There's no series here. It's all about uh, it's all about getting into and winning this race and or maybe recovering a diamond. <laughs> the the trans France race. Yeah, which does not exist. Which does not exist, of course. Invented for this. Yeah, it's not a Monte Carlo rally, which I thought it was going to be. I was hoping. Right. Because he goes um, to Monte Carlo, it's in the title. He does go. This, this that was my uh, that's my one sentence review for this movie. It really picks up once he starts going to Monte Carlo. Well, because <laughs> I was about to say, because if it's not the Monte Carlo rally, I'm now questioning whether he does in the next one actually go bananas. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 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 leery. Yeah. So it's in, in this series, I've been trying to get into some extracurriculars. Um, just to give some context around the series. Like, what else is happening in other car movies in the 70s, right. you know, of the period, or reading about the historic uh, Cannonball Run, which I'll be getting to in uh, future <laughs> we'll episodes eventually again. be getting to. <laughs> Someday, dear listener, we will get there. But uh, I, I'd never seen the Herbie movies, and um, and so I was I was sick, and so I'm like... I promised myself when I got COVID, I was going to lie on the couch and watch Disney live action movies, which I've seen like almost none, right? Mary Poppins and the computer wore tennis shoes, I think are the only two I've seen. You need to complete the Kurt Russell trifecta there. You really do. And then when I did get COVID, I didn't watch um, the one day I actually sat down because I like worked like a fool. Um, It wasn't work, work. I was... I missed a conference and I still recorded my talk for the conference because that was it was a career opportunity. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> I, 
Herbie, when Herbie, I finally Herbie. Uh, sat down to watch a movie, like my eye, that was the day my eyes were watery and I couldn't even, I couldn't even finish the movie. So it was sad. It was sad. And so when I got a regular old cold, I said, doggone it, I'm watching The Love Bug. Um, and I, I enjoyed The Love Bug. It was a, it's a, little, it's a charming little, little movie. Um, and then like some other morning when I had like laundry to fold or something, I'm like, I'm toss on Herbie Rides Again, which is a pretty crummy movie. <laughs> really, um, not a lot of effort expended there in, in, uh, in Herbie Rides Again. But then, um, somewhere along the line, I just like read the plot description. I'm like, oh, of course, Monte Carlo, like it never occurred to me. I didn't put it together with the Monte Carlo, Carlo rally because I'm not a big race car guy, ironically. Uh, for doing this series. Um, I'm not a car race guy either. So what are we doing? <laughs> and so, well, but then like, oh, well, and then I looked at the cast list. Oh, there's enough. There's enough here. Like, it's, this is all about one race and these mm-hmm. are comedies. And uh, yeah, it's I think pretty it totally, wacky. And coincidentally, it's just like fell right into the timeline where. Yeah, perfectly. Chronologically, like it would be the next movie. So I'm like, I was the right time to have that real kismet it was kismet yeah as tennessee steinmetz might say yes exactly but this is my first time in the in the herbie verse see i grew up watching the herbie movies and, and outside of condor man i'd say i if you ask me what's your favorite disney live action movies which i was very well steeped in like i watched a ton of them uh growing up and i would say tell you the herbie movies are probably my favorite i watched the love bug a lot and and and, and herbie rides again because I watched Mama's Family, I have a particular leaning towards Ken Berry, mm-hmm. uh, and watched. I feel like I watched Herbie Rides Again the, the Star most. Of the second one, of Herbie the second Rides Again. one, yeah. And um, playing playing the young nephew, <laughs> yeah, and looking exactly. like a forty five year old kid, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then uh, uh, Herbie Money. He, he should have played Sylvan in the John Dealman too. Yeah, he should. <laughs> he should have. I mean, well, no, he wasn't in Monte Carlo. Don Knotts was in Monte Carlo. I would have taken Don Knotts, too. He would have been fine. Um, Or he could have been one of the Johns. That would have been great. So Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo is actually the one I'm the least familiar with. I only remembered one moment from it. And the rest of it I had no memory of. But I I just recently, this week, watched Herbie Rides Again. And um, you're right. It's not very good. I think, I don't know why I watched it the most. Uh, I think because of the dream sequence with uh, <laughs> Keaton Wynn, um, which inspired a screenplay that my brother and I wrote um, that we're quite fond of. Uh, but yeah, it's charming and agreeable while still being really crummy. Like, just not thought out. Like, everything they set up just doesn't fall. Like, Herbie just dives in the water at one point really hilariously. Just, I'm just going to drive into the water. And then it's he's going like a boat and a shark pursues them. And it just fades out. <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah. And then it fades up. It's a shark. It's a shark. Yeah. And then they pay off. Yeah. So when you said, I saw that you said that it was indifferently directed by Robert Stevenson. And yeah, I think that's that's accurate to say. Well, just because the first one has a lot of great vehicle stunts. Yes. There's a lot of good stunt driving in... The love bug and Herbie rides again. Like everything is so choppy, all the action yeah. is so choppy that like you never see the car do a stunt for like more than a second or two. Yeah. Well, there's no a, a lot of those miniature work. There's no racing in the second one. 
Um, there's a joust. There there's a joust. joust. There's a, a thing of him her. going through a warehouse and knocking furniture over and ramping across the parking garage, building tops. But then it's just real quick. It's a lot of miniature and FX work. But The Love Bug, I watched it a year ago or so. The Love Bug is, I think, a really good screenplay. Like I, when I saw it as an adult, I was like, "Wow, these are this this has got a lot going on," and it, it clues into like what family movies were and what they've become. Like back in these live action Disney days, I'm always even into the '90s. Uh, I'm always like weirded out that family movies had these plots that could not have been any interest for kids at all. They're all about business mergers and real estate deals <laughs> okay. and still happens. getting promotions yeah. and stuff. And you're like, who, what kid gives a shit about this? Um, but you realize it was for the parents. The parents were there for the story. They were going to watch well, a story. I don't think the parents care about the business mergers either. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you... And I then, think there's a stand-in for like the, the boring adult world, which... like is a portent right. of evil and then everything's about an escape from that or, or you know, or being threatened by it. Right. It's just funny approaching. because watch, watching the Herbie movies now as a parent, I'm looking at them as like going before it was like, oh, look, Herbie's not doing what the adults tell him to do. Isn't that fun? He's doing his own thing. That's really cool. And how flustered the adults are getting. Now as a parent, I'm going, why can't Herbie just do what he's told? I mean, he's screwing <laughs> everything up. Just go where we're going to go. He is a little rascal. <laughs> That Herbie. He's a little stinker. He is a little stinker. Um, he, um, uh, but yeah, but now I, I feel I feel like the, the family movies were actually movies for the family, not for the kids that the parents had to tolerate. Now you go to the movies and now it's just, but there was like business merger promotion storyline uh, and then the room fills with foam and there's a wacky animal or sentient object that the kids like right that's the fantasy element but then you got the family movies now they're all nut shots and fart gags and then sexual double entendres that are supposed to go over the kid's head and make the parents chuckle but instead just makes this queasy experience <laughs> that just good so like in a way i, I mean, kind when of we, <laughs> when we meet the love interest in the love bug oh she's showing off her legs it's underneath pretty the sign that says what is it like Check out our new model. It said, take a, check, take a look at these. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's her legs. Pretty that, good gag, but weird in a kid's movie. It was pretty lascivious, I have to admit. like I, To the point yeah. where I blushed and I was like, that's pretty sexy, actually. Why do I think that's sexy? Well, because yeah. Michelle Lee and Stephanie Powers in the second one, they're both pretty sexy actresses. I mean, they like... They're alive. They have. They're great actresses, and they're just their faces. They're watching Stephanie Powers listen and look at Ken Barry. It's pretty amazing, especially considering and she should have no interest in him at all. <laughs> right? She should be hitting him with a lobster. Anyway, oh, you want to talk about things that shouldn't be in a kids movie? I started watching Herbie Goes Bananas today, and the only thing I remember Which from, I don't know anything about. I assume they are like overthrowing a corrupt dictatorship. <laughs> I, I've seen it before, and all I could remember from it was the little uh, boy in Puerto Vallarta who befriends Herbie calls him Ocho, and I always thought that was sweet. It's five Ocho. plus. His number is fifty-three. Yeah, but it's five plus three, so Ocho. Oh, maybe, maybe he okay. couldn't count that high. Maybe, That's a little bit of a leap, kid. Well, I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to be calling him that. You know, Sancho Van. You know, whatever. It's pretty long to say. Um, I can't. I don't know what fifty-three is in Spanish. <laughs> 
But DAC say so. That's that's uh, too much. Ocho. That's fine. I mean, you can't call Michael Jordan five. Like it doesn't. That's not how. Who does I'm going to start calling him five. Where like um, uh, they didn't call George W. Bush seven because it's like forty three. Took why did you have to, to bring him up? Uh, I thought of him today because, uh, like our former president and defender of liberal democracy, I was clearing <laughs> brush from my backyard. Oh, you were brush clearing. Yeah. Well, that's... Yeah. I'd think of him, too, if I was doing that. I actually had brush in my yard in te- when I lived in Texas. So, I, you know, I'd, 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 you have to do it all the time. So, you know. You got to clear it. <laughs> got to clear that brush. Um, but you want to talk about lasciviousness in a kid's movie... I started watching Kirby Goes Bananas, and about eight, 16 minutes in, you meet Harvey Corman, who's the captain of this boat, of the yacht, or okay. whatever. Somehow, Herbie made it onto the yacht, and I don't understand. They're going from Puerto Vallarta to Panama, and, um, and so Harvey Corman's going to be mad that Herbie's on the boat, and he's going to try to get him thrown yeah. off the boat. But you meet Harvey Corman, and he's at dinner with a bunch of ladies, and he's telling them... Some story about how pirates boarded a boat and raped all the women. Uh, uh, yes. He, use he the, didn't use the word rape. He said, there was none of this after you, my lady. And oh, matter of course, no, they took them downstairs and went right to the matter. Uh, and I'm like, what the, f- what is, what? That's what? not lasciviousness. That's, uh. Um, well, yeah, that's, 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 uh. Sexual what, violence. It's, it's, yeah. Well, not only that, it's, it's, um, finding it, finding sexual violence amusing. This was the thing that I was like really disturbed by. And I shut it off at that point. Cause it's like, oh, yeah, it went more than bananas. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's how far that series goes. So look forward to that. Um, well, you know, we've talked about a lot of movies in the series, but there's one we haven't talked about yet. Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Well, see, I'm getting all that stuff out now. Okay. All right. All right. Except for one reserve. So we're going to go This episode's got to be fully loaded. Oh, that's the one I didn't okay. see. I've not seen okay. fully loaded. Although I'm, I, I can't take the anthropomorphic face. I won't do it. But Michael Keaton's in it, so maybe yeah, I will. That's a nice way to talk about Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> You're right. I apologize. R.I.P. Lindsay. Although it is nice you're looking at her face. <laughs> yeah, you know, some respect. Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo doesn't have multiple teams that we're following. Normally in our Wacky Race no. seasons, season, we have at least two. Like the Great Race had three. <laughs> well, there's one team and then there's a bunch of solo drivers with no need to refuel or... <laughs> yeah, these other guys, yeah, these guys don't have any... They have no uh, mechanic. So, like, uh, kind of wonder why Don Knotts is even there. But well, strategic um, advantage. <laughs> right. So you've got, uh, you've got our, our Dean Jones, Jim Douglas, uh, returning from The Love Bug after a, being missing from the sequel. You got Don Knotts as now new incomer as Wheelie Applegate, which I appreciated. Already- Newcomer? Excuse me. Member of the Two Timer Club. Oh, you're right. No, member of the Two Timer yes. Club. Uh, continuing a legacy of Herbie movies of casting Wacky Races alumnus, where everyone <laughs> uh, has, if they all qualified for the series, which they all don't, they would all introduce someone to the Two Timer Club. Exactly, uh, Keenan Wynn from the previous. 
Uh, Kenan um, Wynn from uh, The Great Race and in the first Buddy one, Hackett. Buddy Hackett as Tennessee right. Steinmetz. Um, we have, not in uh, this one. He must be off visiting his guru. <laughs> that's right. In Tibet. We have Julia Summers as uh, Diane, yeah, the other racer. Some of you may recognize from Matlock. That's right. She, she had a recurring character there. And the big like jaw drop for me was uh, the guy who played Von Stickel. Did you recognize the guy who played Von Stickel? Well, I never watched Hon- uh, Hogan's Heroes. Was he, I, he was on Hogan's Heroes, that's right. Oh, isn't that Von Stickel? What's Von Stickel from? Who are we talking about? Von Stickel is from Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. <laughs> the character's name is Von Stickel. And he's, he's the, oh, the, the, race, the other racer, Eric Braden, who's okay. been on, was it Young and the Restless for like ever? He's like, I didn't know. Um, or All My yeah, Children? Seymour's like, I know that guy from somewhere. Yeah, the, the, the rival German driver. Right. Um, played somebody named Victor Newman, who is the main Victor character Newman, from yes. Young and the Restless. And Young and the Restless, con- that's what it was. Continuously since 1980. Yes. Pretty good run. Pretty good run. He's also, um, you might recognize him from uh, Titanic. Yep. Where he I had a big John applause moment when I, I never really watched Young and the Restless, but when he showed up, I knew exactly who he was. I was like, yes! Yeah, you've seen that movie a few times. Uh, yeah. John Jacob Astor IV, deceased. Um, but he is the, oh, of the Boston Dawsons. Oh, That's yes. <laughs> right. Who else we got? We got um, one of my favorites, Bernard Fox. Dr. Who, Bombay from yeah, Bewitched. Who was also in The Private Eyes as the butler who you can't say murder to or he goes insane. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and has to be kicked in the balls in order to regain his composure. <laughs> well, we can all relate. Right. <laughs> uh, and then Roy Bernard Kinnear. Fox. Wait, yeah. wait. Bernard Fox, also in Titanic as Archibald Gracie IV. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, women in Machinery Don't Mix, um, who survived. And he also was in A Night to Remember as, uncredited as Frederick mm-hmm. Fleet. Who also survived. So he has twice survived the sinking of the Titanic. Probably yeah, the only get, person who could say that. He did get kicked in the ball so many times in private eyes, so it evens out. Well, they were numb from the right. cold. Cold water you had to endure twice. water, yeah. <sighs> so that was a nice Don Knotts, Bernard Fox. This was before private eyes, so I wonder if they met there and became friends and... I'm hoping. That's, they that's probably hope. worked out the ball-kicking gag like, uh, <laughs> between right. takes. Hey, I got to know. Why don't you come into this thing where we kick you with the balls repeatedly? And then, and then you not only don't retaliate, but you like it. You're better for it. Um, <laughs> his partner, Roy Kinnear, as Quincy, is uh, famously from Willy Wonka. Being, yeah, Veruca um, Salt's dad. Yeah. And isn't he also in Help? As, yes, um, he is. Yeah. He has my favorite line from Help, which was, uh, there's no stopping him. He's ready to take over the world if he can get a government grant. <laughs> I, I like, really like Help. I love Help. I, I, I like Help more than Hard Day's Night, I have to say. I think that's bananas. I think you, my friend, are going, not to Monte Carlo. <laughs> but, but two bananas. But I will ride again. 
And then we got our uh, Jacques Marin as Inspector Boucher. Uh, His face this, looks familiar, but he, I mean, he's been he's in a couple been in movies a ton I've seen, of stuff. But I yeah. certainly couldn't place him. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but I didn't recognize him from any of He's a marathon man and ton, lots of French movies and lots of American movies. He plays lots of French inspectors. Right. And then, uh, speaking of French inspectors, we have uh, Xavier St. Macary as Detective Fontenoy, the obvious uh, Clouseau wannabe. Now, this comes to a point. Uh, I get that. Uh, I get a different energy off this guy than Clouseau. Well, he, he's got a more happy clueless than Clouseau does. But what's the energy I, you get? I think he's like a Muppet version of Borat. <laughs> a Muppet version of Roberto Benigni, maybe. He's got real Borat energy to me. Yeah. Well, the whole jewel robbery scene. Now you've told me. I think you've told me before. You haven't been a big Pink Panther, Pink Panther watcher, right? I have watched, they were always on TV, and so right. I've always watched parts of them and always tried to figure out, like, why isn't this funny? Why don't I like this? You and me, why, man. You why and me, does why, this, why, yeah. why do we not? <laughs> why doesn't this actually feel like a movie? <laughs> why? Okay. Well, one of my favorites, <laughs> um, uh, Return of the Pink Panther, which came out a few years before. The, what year is Monte Carlo? Seventy. 77. 77. So 1975, Return of the Pink Panther came out. And the whole, that whole set is like a parody version of the jewel, the Pink Panther diamond heist from the beginning of Return of the Pink Panther. Okay. Down to the lasers, the same spray, the same mechanical claws. Everything's the same, except for um, the set of the cage that drops over the stand. The doors all automatically close, all the windows and things. But that's the only when you when you pick up the diamond, the the doors all close. But uh, even the room looks like it's a miniature version of the room in in that movie. So okay. they were obviously either inspired by or ripping off. Well, <laughs> Return of the, the Pink only, Panther. It's not the only thing they're ripping off in this movie. Oh, they're ripping off a ton. But then you get to the end, and when he's arresting, you know, they have a real Clouseau, Chief Inspector Dreyfus relationship you know where he's like don't you you know um it's pretty sad <laughs> it's my least favorite part of the movie uh yeah no <laughs> right the whole the whole diamond business not all that fun um we have a couple more maybe familiar faces in the cast though uh mm-hmm. we have um, Lori Main as Duval, the museum guard, tiny part, mm-hmm. but he spent years as the host of Welcome to Pooh Corner and did a few voices on the Transformers. He, he was one of the headmasters. Oh. Highbrow. He did highbrow. <laughs> um, and then we have Johnny Hamer as a tiny part as a race official, but he was Zelmo Zale in MASH, the... Uh, oh, mechanic uh, slash engineer who had a rivalry with Klinger. Oh, wow. Uh, back to the guy who played uh, Boucher, I noticed in his credits, he has credit, he does one of the voices, I couldn't tell which, on um, the Smurfs and the Magic Flute. The original Really? Flute. Yeah. He did one of the French voices on that original cartoon. Oh, in the original. Okay. Yeah. Not, not, not the, the voice American we one. would no. be familiar with, probably. Okay. No. Let's just guess. Um, based on what we see in this movie... He's kind of a brainy Smurf. 
jewel thievery, I think. I think he's the jewel thief of uh or the chief mastermind smurf. Mastermind smurf. <laughs> or social media smurf. Oh, God, my I break out in hives just thinking about social media smurf. God. Sorry. Uh <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, you know, not a bad cast. And Frank Welker as Azrael, even Frank, in the French version. Even in the French version, of course, yeah. it's got to be Frank Welker. It's got to be the Welks. Um, you have any more about the cast? No, I think that's really, um, that's all I got for that. Can I run some numbers real quick? Let's, oh, are you going to say it? Because if you say it, I do the music. And now let's do the numbers. Uh, yes! <laughs> so, uh... Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo, released on June 24th, 1977. So that's three Summer weeks movie. after Jean Dielman, Nepal Porsche 1600 GT. Right on the heels. 24 Hour Demand, 1977. Uh, we talked last episode about how poorly uh, that movie did into the point of infinite obscurity. So it really didn't seem to suck any demand out of the market for wacky race movies because... Um, it's impossible to find, I don't know if it's impossible, it was that easy or simple uh, or quick to find the budget for Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo, but the original, the love bug, was $5 million, 1968. So if we just imagine it was another $5 million. You know, I think I saw somewhere that all of her, all the first three Herbie movies were all $5 million. Yeah. I want to say I mean, that. That doesn't look like it's any... I mean, there's a lot of location shooting, but um, yeah. the stunts aren't as ambitious as the first one. And in one um, shot, they even ran the rear projection at slow motion speed when they were going fast. So can't have been that hard. They were trying yeah, to there's save a money. little <laughs> undercranking in this one. Um, anyway, box office was $28 million, $1977. That's like, that'd be over $100 million today. That did uh, good business. Good business in, uh, in Herbie movies still. Yeah, for what I understand, the first one was the largest box office and critical success, and each one made money, made a considerable amount of money, but they were all less. They were all descending, you know. But each one is so much more entertaining than Herbie Rides Again, so I don't understand that. Um, Hundred and five minutes, you know, could be a little tighter. We spend a little too much in the in the in the uh, qualifying heats. Yeah. Get a little that race. too much of the Diamond Heist intro. <laughs> it could be tightened up, but hey, what do you, you know, whatever. It's not the obligatory two and a half hours. Yeah, you know, it's Super no Mario Magnificent Men. I was, I was amazed Super Mario Brothers was under two hours. I was, yeah. Um, it got like an extra star for me just for that. <laughs> Thank you for not making me endure more. Yeah. Yeah. It was all right. It was all right. I, I expected nothing and was I found it very agreeable without yeah well, it was fine I enjoyed myself yeah it was fine for something I was forced to go see like, <laughs> oh okay I have you know it wasn't like Lego Ninjago movie which I literally fell asleep during <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I just went because it was the first movie in ever forever that my son was excited to see so. So yeah, let's no. go. Let's go. That's that's a good reason to go. Yeah, that alone, I gave it a star. You know, do two stars for that alone. So, what did you think of Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo? 
I liked it a lot more than I remembered. I thought, oh, why didn't I watch this one more? I, but the weird thing is, I think I enjoyed it more, not as a movie viewer, but as a scientist I, or a res, or an anthropologist, rather. I enjoyed it as a study of the time more so than a movie, I have to say. Um, I've always been a fan of Dean Jones um, as an actor. I understand he's had a kind of a troubled uh, personal life, um, oh, which is unfortunate. Anything about his personal life. Well, he had a rough go, uh, uh, you know, he had a, a rough, uh, uh, you know, some addictions that he was dealing with during these movies and then later became a born again Christian and then later wouldn't take any roles that uh, uh, took the Lord's name in vain. So basically cut him out of a lot of movies. But whenever okay. he'd pop up here and there, I'd be excited to see him. And it was this his was the first year is like almost entirely Disney live yeah. action film like that darn cat and. Stuff like that. He went right? to Broadway. He was actually in the original. He was at, part of the time when he was at his most troubled, uh, from what I understand. He uh, was in the original uh, originating cast of Company on Broadway. And okay. then uh, he left like two weeks into it or something. Um, it's during this movie that I realized for the first time, like I always thought he had a particular sound to his voice. Like, oh, oh, this little yeah. car. And then I realized he's doing Jimmy Stewart. I, oh, yes. That's exactly it. It's occurred to me while watching this. Like, he's Jimmy Stewart, but you take, you drain all the personality out. Oh, or <laughs> most of it out. You drain, you drain the all shucksness out is what yeah, you do. The, yes. And the, the croakiness. You, the you croakiness. Know. But, like, but it's got the same kind make of him, undulations to it, you know. You make him a little handsomer. You make him a little sterner. And oh, then, I disagree with the handsome part, but okay. <laughs> and you make him a little, little uh, less square, more stern, I think. And then you get uh, Dean Jones, which yeah, because I think Dean you Jones had a was dash of smarm. Like smarm, a yeah, dash yeah. of smarm on. He, him. he he's never not, fully looks like he means what he's saying. He's not smarmy, but you're right. He's got like a little soupçon of <laughs> smarm, just a dash. He's for me in the Love Bug. He's does the performance of being incredulous about the car and then coming around to it better than anyone in the whole series, I think. Um, speaking of convincing people, I appreciated that this movie had a minimum amount of times trying to convince people that the car is alive. That's the most uh, tedious part of any except movie. Except for every conversation with Julius. Yeah, which, may, which is what really brought that down. But like, at least it regulated it to one character instead of everybody. Like, Herbie Rides Again got really interminable with that. So we've seen it already. We've already established that. We know it. Let's dispense with that. So the fact that Don Knotts was already a believer really helped. Like, he didn't have to be convinced. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But apparently, so in in Herbie Rides Again, Jim Douglas leaves to go racing somewhere. Or like, And you kind of wonder, from a story point, why, what would... What would prompt him to leave Herbie? And then, uh, you know, Tennessee also left Herbie and stayed with uh, uh, Mrs. Steinmetz. And then yeah. at the end of that movie, now, well, t- now they're... Tennessee's meditating on a mountain in Tibet. Right. Right. Um, or living in a van down by the river. <laughs> One of the two. But, Either um, way, he's got rice wine. But what's his name? Um, the racer car driver guy. What's his name? Jim Douglas. Jim Douglas. He, he got married at the end of 
Right. Now, the love bug. I'm going to bring this up later because I think it matters. In fact, Herbie's whole deal is trying to get them together for some reason, right? Like, I I don't understand why Herbie cares, but he does. He wants to see them together. Um, And then they go off. And um, I guess that didn't go so well. I guess not. Or maybe she's just very supportive um, of his career. Or maybe they have an open relationship and he's just got (laughs) to... Right. I don't well, know. Since, since we're on the topic, maybe she insulted Herbie one too many times, and nothing sets him off like, like a joke about <laughs> right. what kind of quality car is, and maybe he just drove her off a ledge like he like Keenan Wynn. <laughs> a a ten foot wide ledge on the side of a building. Well, well, since we're on the topic of both his marriage and Herbie's personality. Let's talk about Herbie's personality because it's remained somewhat consistent, but getting, but the way people talk about it is, is changed in the movies. Yes. Or? In the movies, okay. in, the, in the movies, in, in the world society. of the franchise. <laughs> no, no society. What would you say? His personality is like, is like that of a petulant child, maybe a teenager. It's someone pure who's id. <laughs> pure id. Exactly. Because he's, yeah. he's loyal, but stubborn. He's loving but reactionary. He's reactive. Reactive. Don't know his politics. Right. <laughs> I mean, everyone takes lies to heart, but he is easily. He doesn't scrutinize a lie when told to him. Like Don Knotts, you can easily tell oh, him. Well, you know, you can. He'll easily buy anything you tell him. And he's led by his heart. He's, he's led by his heart. Uh, right. He lays his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. He's like, why would anyone think? And but he can also be very vindictive. Uh, yeah, he does proud. not like very proud. Like very proud. He's not going to yeah. be insulted. He'll squirt oil on anyone who even looks at him wrong. Uh, and a hilarious recurring gag. <laughs> I mean, the only time it worked was when he was pouring Irish coffee, when Thorndike was pouring Irish coffee in the thing and it came out like a bubble. That's the only time it worked. Everything else doesn't work. So that's how you see him. And he's, he's lovable because he's like you said, he's all it, but that also makes him, dangerous at times um yeah. but let me he's like me, a big four-wheeled toddler you're right. yes exactly that's a huge horn dog <laughs> oh god so that's why i think herbie goes because my aunt herbie goes to monte carlo introduces a love interest for herbie although not love interest i would say because herney uh, this movie should be called horny herbie he is so fucking horny in this movie should be called Herbie Gets a Boner is what this movie should be called. It's insane. I noticed they weren't showing his tailpipe. <laughs> the shot of when he runs up in front of the Lancia and just starts, his doors open, his trunk opens, his lights are flashing. Oh, in front of the restaurant? He's jigging in front of the restaurant. Yeah. I was like, is Herbie masturbating? Yes, <laughs> It's like he was, this was the equivalent of a dirty flasher coming up to him and going. So I wanted to say, I wanted every young man and boy to see this movie and say, this is how you don't approach women. Hey, lady. Hey. (laughs) Exactly. Look at me going backwards. Hey, what do you think? Exactly. Yeah. He's like messing up her time. Right now. Come on. He's messing up her time trial, and it's just like it was so painful to watch. Yeah, not very sensitive. uh, No, not very. No, not sensitive at all, and not and just like if if anyone came up to you 
and threw their coat open and just started waggling everything. Would you be on board? Yeah. He does everything except for auga auga. Yeah, I guess he can't exactly. change the sound of his horn. <laughs> it, you, it reminded me when you were saying you said something about Gumball Rally when those two guys are approaching the Porsche team and that you said they're doing this thing that works for some people. And I'm like, what? Really? That's what reminded me. <laughs> he's like, does I'm not this sure what work? Herbie's doing works for no. Anybody. He's totally jerking it. That's totally what he's doing. And um and but then later later he the mirror passes in front of him and he sees that he's got soot all over him. Yeah. Right. So then he drives over to the fountain. I get cleaned up. That's why she doesn't like me. I'm covered in ash. <laughs> not because I was totally I like complete spaz. Second ago. <laughs> But then he goes in. He goes into the fountain, cleans himself off. The, he, he dips his front into the fountain and gets his windshield and hood covered. And then he backs up, and he starts to pull away. And then he stops, and he backs up again. And I think to myself, I heard in my head Herbie going, "Oh, you gotta wash your ass." I heard Red Fox in my head. Just you got you got to wash your ass. You got to wash. So he your backs ass. it. He backs up, but then he doesn't. He gets what? A bouquet of flowers in his bumper. Yeah. To go take to her. Isn't that sweet? Um, could have washed his ass though. <laughs> so well, plus his trunk is in the front. So does that mean his trunk is his mouth instead of his hood, or does that mean his butt is in front and his mouth is in back? Well, is your engine your mouth? Well, your trunk is in the front. The, the grill in front of your engine is the is your teeth for your car. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Right? Because your intake, you're sucking the air in. Yeah. It's on the back. So what, what does that mean? Don't make me anatomy? rethink what that whole scene means then. Well, <laughs> He's like, wagging his parts in front of him. When, when, when thieves put a diamond in his gas tank are they putting it in his mouth or his butthole <laughs> well waste doesn't come out of there it's his mouth i guess yeah it's his mouth it's so his mouth. i guess that's his mouth right it's not that it doesn't have to be one-to-one anatomy here you know this is what i kept thinking about the entire movie is okay so diamond thieves in the beginning they like we have a long before we ever see herbie in this fucking movie it's a long, we have a time. long sequence with these Diamond thieves stealing this diamond. Like, am I, am I in the wrong movie? What was, What is this? And then they, to hide it from the police, they stick it in his fuel tank. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. mouth. And the entire time I'm like, well, Herbie knows that they did that. Yeah. Why is Herbie acting like he doesn't know there's a diamond in his tank? Yeah. And so that's my... Question, like, does does Herbie know? Like, he knew when the Irish coffee was being pulled in. Did he try to stop that guy? Like, he can control <laughs> his gas. Oh. He can control, like, whether his door opens or closes. He can control his mirrors moving. So do you think like, he's saying, this is happening, this is happening? He can control the gas, the <laughs> flap on his gas tank, right? Like, yeah, he can totally. close that if he wants to or refuse to let it open. Right, but he let him open it. He let him open just like he let uh, his face yeah. pour the uh, Irish coffee in. So, uh, all right, Mr. Banks. Um, <laughs> so why did he... So he knows that the diamond's in there or he doesn't know? Like he wasn't paying attention. I mean, to he him. has to know. He has to know. And that diamond is so big, it wouldn't make it to the 
tank, right? That, well, no. You just reach. It's a. It's wrist depth. Yeah, it rattles around in the. It rattles around in the tank. And you know, five hundred miles later, it rattles around in the tank. Exactly. But it's only wrist deep <laughs> in the fuel tank, so you wouldn't be able to refuel with it in there. Like the nozzle wouldn't go in all the way. But we never see them refuel. So. And also, I, I know that matter. I know that people don't expect diamonds to be in their gas tank. But when you pull out something that looks exactly like a cut diamond, usually people go, "Oh my god, diamond!" Oh wait, no, wait, let's check. Yep, no, it's quartz. You don't immediately go, "Oh, this is quartz." <laughs> I want to throw it as far as I can. Oh, quartz in the gas tank—that common problem mechanics are know how to deal with. <laughs> exactly. Let me show how it's done, son. Any experienced mechanic has pulled out a. A few of these. <laughs> what do you think all those wrenches are for? So the the the, the diamond heist. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about our our diamond thieves, Max and uh, what's the other? Quincy. Guy's name? Max and Quincy. Max and Quincy. They're kind of bumbling, mm-hmm. but they don't do a lot of bumbles. <laughs> They're they're set up like one's tall, one's short. They have the different body types. Right. One's got the new technology fetish. One's got the old tried and true ways. Oh yeah, the characteristic which will define them for the entire movie. Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> yes. The thing that will differentiate these two. Because it's set up as, as like, okay, they're going to be a bickering duo. One is, like, the dumb one. One's the smart one. One's the... One's the... The muscle. The, one's the brains. One's yeah, the, one's the bully. One's the... Impatient. Work hard. Work hard, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that just uh, that all goes out the window, like, after this first scene. They, you know, one has, has brought a rope. He is prepared because he has brought a rope. And a and a claw to steal this diamond. Um, by the way, the security system for this diamond is introduced by the owner of the museum demonstrating it. And when the guard reaches for the diamond and the cage drops, they easily escape the cage. <laughs> like they are not trapped or stopped by it. And when the guy reaches for the diamond, the museum owner has to grab his hand, yank him, and to get out of the cage, demonstrating how yeah, you steal the diamond and not get caught. And then he's very proud of his work. That's right, because after the cage falls, you can still grab the diamond, right? But he could have, I mean, the guy, like, right. you can grab the diamond and jump out faster than what we just saw happen. Right. And they're not trapped. So, and he's like, oh, well, that, this will work. This, is, this achieves my goals. <laughs> But then he makes the entire floor a trap with, a, I don't know, a floor sensor. They never say what it is. Um, and he's got a laser beam, a single, a single laser beam um, around the diamond. What pointed at the diamond? What is it even pointed at? We don't know. It's a laser beam. Although they call it radar, <laughs> although it's clearly a laser. <laughs> and again, all lifted from Return of the Pink Panther. Done okay. way better. Okay, I have no doubt. Um, so then they leave the room, and then these two thieves pop out of a statue. <laughs> Which, to me, is a feat in itself, because then they had to like, replace that other statue. They had with... to steal the statue. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and introduce a new hollowed out statue with hinges. So if I was if I was uh, writing the novelization of this movie or fanfic or something like that, I would have a whole thing about how the research done on this particular piece of art uh, was a little known fact was the sculpture was actually hollow with latches. <laughs> and that the fact that it was that going to be in the same room that was the light bulb moment the moment yeah. the fact they go oh but little known fact most people most historians don't know this but it is actually a giant hollow statue and that if it's going to be in the same room with the diamond that's our plan you know there you go it was it was originally a giant chocolate mold that's what it was just think of the heist movie we didn't get to see because <laughs> Stealing that statue to steal the diamond. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And then later, when the police are there, they've got the statue open. Because they found out. Because they closed the statue, you know. They were smart enough to do that. But then it's open, and I'm like, no one's going, where's the other statue? (laughs) Maybe they just, like, scooped out all the marble. (laughs) That must have taken... Months to do. <laughs> Lots of planning. So then Rukasalt's dad like brought a rope <laughs> and he he's gonna go over the floor sensors, but um but Dr. Bombay has a device and he just turns everything off. Just in blah, the blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're bickering a little bit and they're gonna steal this diamond. But after the scene, like they really like all the personality is completely erased from them. Yeah. For every scene subsequent. And in fact, like their main objective in every scene seems to be have a good posture. Like the other yeah. two. <laughs> they just stand next to each other perfectly erect. They barely move. Like it's like was McAvity. Did we even say his name, the director? He just directed a bunch know. of Disney live action movies. It was like his whole career. He did. Like his direction must have been like, you're giving me a three. I need a two. <laughs> Can you dial this back? I need, I need less humor and comedy out of you, my bumbling uh, villainous foils. Please, please. We can only have so much entertainment in this movie. You need to, you need to dial that back. Yeah. This movie can only have one Don Knotts. Like, stop trying to be funny. I don't, I don't <laughs> That's know. That's right. They intermittently will they drive a car at one point, and they keep their posture in that car. Yeah, they do. Um, a little bit of a spy hunter villain car look to that car. It wasn't. Yeah, I think it was black instead of a deep blue, but it was kind of a, the Rammy cars that you can't shoot with your machine gun. And spy yeah. Hunter. Oh, dude, I just watched some spy hunter gameplay on YouTube. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Search for you, the series. No, no, yeah, a little bit, but I was I was watching the car go into the. Semi, you know, Ooh, and then when it jumps, oh, that's the best part. An exciting moment. I was trying to show Dex. I said, this, this was the thing. Mm-hmm. Trying to show my son, like, this, this was the most exciting video game you could play. Weirdly, graphics aren't that much worse than Minecraft. <laughs> I have well, to say. That's, in Minecraft, it's a choice. That's right, a, it's a choice, exactly. Yeah. They could do better. It's an aesthetic. Exactly, it's an aesthetic. I got you. Um, but, uh, yeah, so yeah, you can look up all those old gameplays on there. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, the rock fight that they have at the end when they pull over to the side of the road after they discover the diamond, was that super lame or was it just the music? Was that a super lame fight? It was, 
the la- the music was not good. Um, so this is the final confrontation with them. Um, there's one earlier I I will want to talk about, but well, there's some there's some f- fun stuff here. Um, the the villains possess a single pistol between mm-hmm. them, and I was thinking about this that when you have two villains and only one of them draws a pistol, and this is supposed to be very menacing, is it? It's inherently funny for two bad guys to pull one gun and then to both act like they have guns. You know what I mean? Like that's a point his finger, but just like look just as menacing when you don't have the gun, when you're next to the guy who does have the gun. That is pretty funny. That's pretty funny. I, that, that, I, I, I want to see more. <laughs> Having realized that, I want to see more of that in the world of, of somebody else making use of that comic device we also get speaking of comic devices featuring weapons don Knotts's karate hands oh yes he does karate hands and uh seymour and i were both appreciating a fight scene where nobody lands a single punch nobody actually hits anybody <laughs> right right that it's is like true. you just knock them down and then when instead of jumping on them and pummeling them your response is to pick them back up and then like lift them up. And like, that's the next fight move is to (laughs) just lift them up off the ground and be like, and (laughs) And then set them back down on their feet. Yeah. That's like the scary thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think I want to live in a world where that's what fight scenes are. Very Aikido of this, of this. uh... (laughs) No, there's no misdirection of, that's right. It's just, just clums, clums, you know. <laughs> Momentum is just, I, boy, the allergies, the pollen is messing up my voice. I apologize to your reader. Listener, you're not a reader. <laughs> well, when we I can't even get the right words to come out. This pollen is really doing more <laughs> than it usually does. <clears throat> Got pollen in my brain. Yeah. Any fight scene with Don Knotts is worth, is worth watching. But yeah, I, I particularly thought the music was bad. This 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 movie is the uh, does not have the same uh, Herbie theme or the person doing the score as the first two, and it's sorely missed. That, uh, and to me, okay, I wait, love the music. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, I got to back up okay, one minute, like Herbie onto someone's foot, and then <laughs> zoom forward like Herbie. Okay. Okay. Deciding he's going to win a race and get back to the music. That's so nice. there's one beat in this fight scene, though, where we're missing a shot. We're clearly missing oh, a shot. Oh, yes, that's right. They didn't pick it up. Where um, Quincy, Veruca Salt's dad, the short one, mm-hmm. he gets taken out of fight out of the fight when Herbie like backs into him and knocks him into a ditch, right. which like renders him unconscious or something. I don't know. He hits his head on a rock. I don't know what Yeah, I, I remember him. in my notes I wrote rock scene, rock fight. And I'm like, why is there rock? Oh, yeah, because like, like, I think that's what happens. He knocks himself so out. So he's brained down in the ditch. <laughs> in the most Disney way possible. Yeah. And then, um, but how, how Quincy, how Dr. Bombay is taken out of the fight, we actually don't know. Because... <laughs> He's winning the fight, and then all of a sudden he looks down and is distracted by something, and then that allows uh, Jim Douglas to like grab him or knock him down or something. But we don't see what it is 
that oh no it's his um it's his um it's his watch right because his watch keeps going off his watch is remember his watch keeps going off his pocket watch no it, it keeps going off uh, throughout the movie, it goes off like two or three times during the movie, and Quincy's like, "Stop, stop! Why don't you turn that thing off?" Really? And I, th- I, I seem to recall his watch goes off, and he reaches okay. down. I think that's this what it is. This might be a hearing loss problem on my part. <laughs> oh. I didn't know his watch was going off. It, yeah, it happens like two or three times. Yeah. Okay. Uh, was it high pitched? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, there you go. There you go. If I, if I have a digital thermometer. I can't hear, even though it's like in my mouth, I can't hear it go off. Like somebody oh, wow. has to tell me. I believe. Um, Listeners, write in if we're wrong. I mean, I could, I could look it up right now, but I okay. won't. Okay. <laughs> well, that, I mean, uh, there's, that means there's an explanation for why he suddenly looks down. So, okay. But, I need to know. But it, you completely understand why you do that because um, Herbie Rides Again was full of lost shots. That movie is tons of pickups not done. It's crazy. Yeah. They didn't really bother with the finer points of filmmaking. And <laughs> no, they didn't. They got matte paint. Again. I love how they got like real construction equipment for one shot, and then the reverse angle, they matte painted it. It was really interesting. They couldn't just my, swing uh, the camera around and get it from the other side. I mean, my favorite stupid thing in Herbie Rides Again is when to escape all of the, you know, um, corporate executives who are chasing him. With their bowler hats. He drives up with the suspension cable of the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. With all of all of these guys in their business suits and bowler hats, like running up, up. the cable after him. <laughs> like we as don't... if it's not a thing. Right. And right. keeping keeping pace. Like keeping they're pace. on foot in pursuit of Herbie who can outrace motor uh, race cars. Like it And you don't see it, them get on. No, you just you suddenly he, in, you couldn't get on. Just suddenly you see. I mean, we don't even see they were near the bridge. You just see them on the cables, Herbie on the cables, and then them fall running up after them, yeah. and then Herbie coming back down, and them running away after them, and then that's it. It's that's, that's it. it. It's, it's it's like what is that there? It's flagrantly stupid. <laughs> look, look, criminally stupid. Just like the, the ledge on the side of the building is wide enough for a Volkswagen to drive on. Right, right, right. You know, because people have like picnics out there. Or <laughs> well, um, you know, Keenan Wynn's got to go out there and yell at the pigeons to get off his building. They I do so. so. <laughs> um, ah, okay, the music. The so music. you like the Herbie theme. I love the Herbie theme. I was the whistling it all day today. Up. It does show up in Monte Carlo. I does? think it's absent from Herbie Rides Again. But we no, do hear it. it's, this, it's there, I, I think. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I watched Herbie Rides Again today. The um, Herbie theme, I think, is like the least effort you could expend in writing a theme. Like it is, It's enduring, though. It is. Uh, it, I'm forced to endure it. It's they weird. play it a lot. It's weirdly, it's weirdly Hawaiian sounding to me. It's tropical. Uh, it's tropical. And so, um, but I, I, I really liked it. And so the Monte Carlo score, I thought, was a huge step down. Uh, George Bruns did the first two movies. In fact, Herbie Wise again was his last film he ever composed. Okay. He died about 10 years later. And then um, Monte Carlo was done by Frank Duvall, 
who's uh, done a lot more stuff. George Bruns basically mainly did. Uh, oh, is um, he like the Frank Stallone of Robert Duvall? <laughs> no, oh, no, no. D-E space V-O-L. Yeah, Bruns did Sweeping, Sleeping Beauty and uh, 101 Dalmatians and Jungle Book and a whole bunch of other uh, scores. But what's that flute twirl? twirl we're on different points of the. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> we're at, we're, we, yeah, we're we can't do that right. Bar there. So with all that, so the jewel heist is the jewel heist. The more the stupider part of the movie, uh, between our our non bumbling bumblers and the uh, Chief Inspector Dreyfus Clouseau ripoff, who has the energy of Borat. Um, that's all that. But the race part of it, when it's actually doing Jim Douglas in the race, um, it's actually pretty good. I mean, I mean, the one thing about the Herbie movies and I guess all race movies that's kind of weird is that they have to keep showing our lead car, like getting off track and then, uh, being delayed and then repassing everybody again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Herbie doesn't do neck to neck racing. No. Like if There's, he, otherwise he'd like, just be right out ahead of them on the whole movie and we never seen the game. But passing people is exciting. Yeah, seeing Herbie pass all those people, so we got to just keep passing the same people That's over right. and over again. He doesn't. Like, well, he there's a couple of moments where there's actual racing, like there's in a village, like he beats the young and restless guys to a turn. You know? Right, right, right. And yeah, then, actually, yeah, the actual end, racing in that scene. At yeah. the end of the race, there's some there's some exciting racing action. But otherwise, yes, it's very yo-yo. Like he just flat out passes everybody, or he's like stuck on the edge of a waterfall, which doesn't happen. But you know <laughs> right. that kind of or thing. or in a, uh, a rock slide. <laughs> yeah, our first avalanche, I think, in the series. In this, is movie. it really? There's not one in Jalopy. No, I, I guess there's not. No, you think we would have seen one by now? But it was. I was pretty excited to see uh, our see first avalanche. avalanche. Well, we never forget our first. Yeah, just like that first rap jump in Cannonball. Exclamation point. Yep. Yep. Exactly. You, uh, you're going to see more ramp jumps. Did you car movies? Yeah. I've got to have more ramp jumps. Did you have a thing you wanted to say about this, uh, rock ledge scene? I, I was just very excited about the rock <laughs> ledge, uh, about the avalanche. Well, okay. Yes. So we get to the avalanche by, um, <laughs> something that needs to happen more in this movie. Uh, a dirty trick. Mm. Here is, here is, okay. So the plot of the movie is, yeah. folks. One hour in, we haven't told the plot yet. So these diamond thieves have hidden a diamond in Herbie. Herbie apparently doesn't know, or he acts like he doesn't know. He doesn't act funny around these people whenever they come around again. So I don't think he knows. Yeah, it's weird. You think he sense he sense it usually, you know? Right. And Bad like people, yeah, off it. like when the Ken and when the real estate developer, whenever he's near Herbie, gets set off and you know hates this guy. But these jewel thieves who are out to get him. He's got no reaction to them every time they kind of try to sneak up and sidelong and act like they're going to refuel the car. But I don't know, like they don't have a vacuum cleaner in their hand. I don't know what their plan is. I guess they're going to reach risk. It's risk deep. deep, Remember? I mean, how do they know that? I don't know. Whatever. But would they put it in there if they do? So stupid. Sorry. Go ahead. It's so stupid. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so, uh, but their, their plan consists of trying to 
stand close to Herbie so that they can stick their hand in his gas tank. <laughs> like, they don't really have much of a plan. They pose no. as fuel men or, you know, they That was a plan. That was a plan. That was, you know, but there's no tricks involved. And so their only trick, like, you expect some cheating in this movie. Right. You expect some secret weapons. Nothing. They don't have, like, a. they don't enter the race as a race car. They drive in in, like, a Studebaker at one point and try to ram them off the road, but that doesn't go very well. Yeah, you know, that would have been an interesting thing if they were actually were competing in the race. You know, they should have been Gus, Gert Frobe in right. Monte Carlo were bust, right? Like, who also has diamonds hidden in his car, will also another. hide them in another racer's car. So, like, he, you know, he hides them in Terry Thomas's car at one point. No, he hides them in whose car? I forget. He gets switched around. I can't remember what. He, you know. Tony Curtis's it, car? The hiding a diamond in one of the racer's cars. We have seen this in Monte Carlo were bust. Like, it's, it's lifted straight from there. And but but they yes, they should enter the race. They should have like a funny car. They should be funny drivers. They should be using a funny disguise as race competitors. And then now now we have a real wacky race. Right. Yes. You know, um, instead, our competition is these two snooty drivers who are just good and competent, but don't cheat. (laughs) You know, they're going to. Yeah. They're not going to let them pass, but that's what you're supposed to do. Exactly. They're not going to do anything. Yeah, it's weird that the dirty tricks weren't done by another driver. They were done by people who weren't involved in the race. Yeah. And then one dirty trick is to go to the road sign with the arrow that says how to get to Monte Carlo and take advantage of the fact that all of these signs are manufactured with a swivel on the arrow so that you can change the direction very easily. Right. And after you rotate it, it stays. It doesn't like wobble and follow the center of gravity and just point down, which doesn't make any sense on a road sign. <laughs> like if you rotate it to the right, right. it's going to stay pointed to the like three o'clock. Um, and so they, because they're in a helicopter, I guess they know Herbie's in the lead and, they don't go and like change the sign back. Like all the cars should be coming down that mountain pass, which would ruin their plan. I thought they did change it back. I thought, it, oh well, no, because Jim Douglas changes it back. I don't know. Whatever. I'm already thinking too hard about this. <laughs> exactly. But they do like a wily e. coyote, like rotate the arrow on the sign towards the the treacherous <sighs> right path thing. Um. And then they're there waiting because <laughs> they know, is this a real thing that if you are shouting and fake yodeling, comically yodeling and causing an echo, that that will actually cause an avalanche? I've, I've always heard that about snow. That'll make snowfall? Well, that's an avalanche. Right. Yeah. I've, I, a snowfall, a snowflanche. I've always heard that about that, like, like ver- reverberations, sonic reverberations could do that. Uh, I okay. don't know so much about rocks. Is the idea that like the echo was like building up, like it's positive interference? I believe and it's, like, so. Making the sound wave stronger. I believe so. You'd think they get weaker, but no, I believe You'd it's a, it's an weaker. amplification. Okay. All right. May, that must be based on something. I should have looked this up. Okay. Um, I'm looking at the article, Avalanche Triggering by Sound, Myth and Truth, in the journal International Snow Science Workshop Proceedings, Montana State University Library. 
And uh, the last line of the abstract is triggering by sound, triggering avalanches by sound, can therefore be ruled out as a triggering option. I would like to talk about the um, the romance in this movie. Um, okay. But I guess we got to first talk about the, the, the recurring theme in... Um, the wacky race uh, subgenre being uh, gender equality. Uh, this Herbie uh, Goes to Monte Carlo again uh, has, and I'm not sure. It's not like um, which movie was it? Where was it? Those magnificent men in their flying machines, where they had a a a pro you know feminist storyline that the director clearly didn't care about. <laughs> Was it that yeah. one? Okay. So it starts I, out with, um, yeah, the woman who's like riding a motorcycle and is all adventurous. But as soon as she gets in an airplane, she gets scared and helpless and decides right. that she belongs on the ground. Right. And not around dangerous machines. Um, this one, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think disbelieves it, but like I was thinking it, it could be totally utilitarian. You need the... Uh, a lead actress. Um, how do you get them around the action the most? You make them a driver. Sure. That's what you do. Well, the gag is Herbie's going to fall in love with the car. That's driven by the... Therefore, fem- that car must be female. Right. Therefore, the driver of that car must be female. <laughs> it would be weird otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Which means when the old lady is driving Herbie and Herbie rides again... <laughs> You know, I'm starting I mean, to that think that was allowed, but we she's could have a, a sexless old lady, so that's fine. We could have a very progressive remake if we, if we play our cards right. I think. Um, I think Titan might have. Yeah, Titan might, might have first. Yeah, other first. Again, Jim Douglas. Not sure if he's still with Michelle Lee from the previous movie. Um, it's just cheating on her. <laughs> or just cheating exactly because they said it's twelve because they're, they're overseas. And they said they've been out racing for 12. They haven't raced in 12 years, which is funny because yeah. we're not. Which 12. means he hasn't. That's an innuendo for he hasn't had sex in 12 years. Oh, there you go. His virility is out. So, like, it's not been 12 years since the first Herbie movie. No, right. Uh, the relationship with time in this movie is weird. <laughs> it's fair. It's so like this it's like the movie Paint. The future. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they couldn't be bothered to look up what was the release date of the love bug. <laughs> How long is it going to be? So, probably the, they were all doing coke writing the script, and they were all doing barbiturates when they were on set. <laughs> is that why Don Nuts is sniffing all the time? <laughs> but the, maybe. It's like, bring me some of that Barney Fife. Well, that was the coke. Um, it was Jimmy Stewart. Was Jimmy Stewart just here? Don Nuts and Jimmy Stewart do have kind of a similar thing. Yeah, if you're if you're basically stepping on Jimmy Stewart's balls, you get done nuts. <laughs> Just really grinding them in the whole time. Speaking for someone who loves Don Knotts. <laughs> tenderly and often, um, that crazy uncomfortable scene with with uh, uh, Herbie, you know, <laughs> whatever Herbie thought he was doing in front of the Lancia, uh, in front of the restaurant, traumatizing the poor, traumatizing leader. the. But I really love the waiter's involvement in watching Herbie's courtship, uh, his attempt at courtship. I had this weird, and I know I wasn't high, but I had this weird thought tangent about how it was a 
a parallel to us watching movies and stories and about how we get wrapped up in it and even cheering for romances other than our own in real life when you just see like couples walking and you make up things in your head about, you know, if they're looking like they're fighting and they get back together and it makes you happy or something, you know, it's like, I don't know. I kind of, I really kind of like that. So you think he's into the romance and more than he's shocked by the fact that well, these are he's, living cars? He's first shocked by the living cars, but you notice yeah. he's getting, he's seeing what's happening. Yeah. And there's a point where he kind of forgets that living cars shouldn't exist and he's seeing the narrative play out of of romance that involved him and i thought that was kind of neat and i I thought i thought the line was i think they steal each other was pretty sweet i do like that guy's performance i do too yeah he was like part of a french comedy troupe i don't know if he did anything outside of he he did he's done a ton of movies i noticed but i i didn't recognize anything but it did bother me that the that Jim didn't do the bare minimum of just seeing this clearly traumatized man. <laughs> he could have just said, you know, you're not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but he immediately leaves him to just stay there like, what? <laughs> I was just rooting for two cars to fall in love? What? <laughs> it's like, Jim, have a heart. Tell him he's not crazy. Now, so... The name, The Love Bug. Yes. I found a whole bunch of other t- names they were going to try out. Like Yes, Boy, Car, Girl. Well, that was the short story that it's supposedly based on okay. that was never published, right? Car, Car Boy, Girl, uh, written by Gordon Buford. And apparently he never got it published, and then uh, we assume Walt Disney bought it, or like he, he sold it to Walt Disney, and it was immediately made into this movie. Um Herbie the Love Bug being the last live action movie that Walt Disney oversaw production of before he died. Mm. And it also was the second biggest hit the company ever had at that time, second behind uh, Mary Poppins. But they had all these other names, uh, the Magic Volksy, the Runaway Wagon, Wonder Beetle, Beetle Bomb, Bug Boom, and Thunderbug. So love was never part of that. So I didn't know if love was thrown in to like try to get the counterculture, you know, like the, you know, the sexual revolution and hippies kind of interested. Or if uh, it was there just because Herbie's ultimate goal, well, ultimate goal, Herbie seems to be nudging people along to get together, right? He's always trapping them in the car and driving them off to Lover's Lane, which is kind of weird. (laughs) It's vaguely uncomfortable. I mean, if he can't, do it he wants to watch he wants to watch uh, yeah. totally so or like he wants it's, to feel it inside of him i don't know exactly i don't know it's a little weird or but. maybe he's trying to track down the zodiac killer <laughs> <laughs> well i don't i don't know where we are in our conversation but like i, I gotta get to what is herbie now i think the best the series handles it is by not handling it. It they'll take the Blues Brothers approach, approach. Magic car, the car's alive. It just is, and I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, later on, they try to define it, and we all know from watching Lost and everything <laughs> when they start to define stuff, that's when usually things break down. Now, now Wait, later on, when I mean? will get to it. So in the first Love Bug, Tennessee. 
played by Buddy Hackett, he kind of gives a hint, Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbuster style, as to what could be happening. He says it like this. Jim, it's happening right under our noses and we can't see it. We take machines and we stuff them with information until they're smarter than we are. Take a car. Most guys spread more love and time and money on a car in a week than they do on their wife and kids in a year. Pretty soon, you know what? The machine starts to think it is somebody. So his thing being that when you love something so much, it takes a life, right? It takes a life of its own because of love. And then, then I guess in turn, the, the car is attracted. It wants love to happen and things like that. That's, that's generally his little hint the movie gives as a possibility. Now, Jim has a more practical look at the thing. And Jim's philosophy on this uh, phenomenon is this. You don't understand what happens, do you? They make 10,000 cars. They make them exactly the same way. And one or two of them turn out to be something special. Nobody knows why. That's basically all the first movie needs to throw out. I think that's kind of neat. Yeah. You just throw out some questions, and that's all it has to be. Or it's like Chris, Jim's version is kind of like Christine. Yeah. It's just, it just born bad. <laughs> exactly. So just came off the factory line that way. Well, Herbie and Christine make a great double feature, by the way. Just to, to figure, you know, how like the Freddy versus Jason. Gone. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that'd be a great movie, Herbie versus Christine. That would be a good movie. That'd be a good wacky race movie. It'd be a great wacky race movie. Wait, this is what this is all leading up to. So Herbie Rides Again kind of strains this idea, saying, oh, a jukebox is alive. A trolley car is alive. It's like, oh, so more of these things are alive. Lots of people love this jukebox, apparently. And then by the end, Herbie drives... More than their wives and children. More than their like wives most, and children. Like most men. Exactly. And so then uh, Herbie drives around the town at the end of the movie and all the bugs follow him. So now, wait, now all bugs are sentient. Wait, what? So, and all the people love these bugs that much. Is everything sentient or is just... Yeah. The bu- the, I don't, what's going on? They could have made the firehouse sentient and that's why it would be... Murder to knock it down. Yeah, exactly. I, and I thought Herbie Rides Again seems to love the firehouse more than Herbie, I think. Like, it seems to think the firehouse <laughs> is so important. That's what they took from the first movie, that firehouse. It's got a cool stained glass window. It, it really does. I'd live there. Oh, hell to get in and out, though, I have to say. Um, she's not good for a firehouse. Um, I mean, it's San Francisco. It's not like they have big fires there. <laughs> no. Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo, though, however, doesn't have Everything's Alive. Just one other car. The Lancia. Doesn't explain it. Just like, and maybe you thought, oh, Herbie goes so crazy because, hey, he found another alive car. But he was in San Francisco period where there's tons of alive cars. So, wait, wait, what? Maybe they're all boy cars. What's happening here? So, then... And, I, and I'm sure you've heard about this. I remember seeing it um, when it came when it came out. 1997's made-for-TV movie, The Love Bug, was shown on the Magical World of Disney, I think, or Wonderful World of Disney, whichever it was. Starred Bruce Campbell, uh, Alexandra Wentworth, and John Hanna, and Dana Gould. Okay. And as Tennessee Steinmetz? No, no, no. He was the well. He's the evil Tennessee Steinmetz. Uh, or the hap anyway so basically bruce campbell is the new is hank cooper he comes into ownership of herbie the bad guy tracks down the guy who made herbie 
Okay. Played by, uh, I think, Harold Gould, the guy who played Kid Twist in The Sting, who I really like. And he brings him over. A single guy. A single guy handcrafted Herbie. A single guy. So what you're going to see here is from the movie, I've clipped it down a bit, but basically he had been commissioned in Germany as a young German scientist to make a car for families, a people's car. They don't say that it was Hitler that wanted this, (laughs) but it was Hitler who commissioned the Volkswagen. (laughs) So he says, I made this thing, and then after the war... The American military called me over, and I was young, and I said, okay, sure, meaning he was scooped up, you know, with all the other scientists. Operation Paperclip. Exactly. And he goes, okay. And they said, they heard about this people's car, and they want they want one. In the translation, it got lost. The American military thought people's car meant living car, like a person car. So he says, okay, well, I was young and naive, and I just went ahead and started making something that they thought I had already made. So listen to now his description of how Herbie came into be. And tell me if you think you have any problems with this. This is from the 1997. 1997, The Love Bug, directed by Peyton Reed, who directed the Ant-Man franchise and... um, Down with Love. Down with Love, a Siggy favorite, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. All right. So this is from that movie, the flashback of how Herbie was constructed. I attempted to fabricate a car that didn't exist, but that they thought I had already made. I stalled for years while I toiled, until I realized the design of the car did not matter. Only the metal that it was made from did. So I tried every alloy, every amalgam, every conceivable compound. Then one day, an accident happened. My most prized possession, a photo of my beloved Elsa, fell into the mix. Now, I realize this is not very scientific, but I believe that the powerful feelings I had for her were somehow transmogrified into the metal itself, making it possible to create a living car. But I knew that it would be used for evil, so... I decided to hide him. Now listen, you. We want this living car. And then basically he says he hears that he, he got rid of the car and found out that he was racing with a guy named Douglas and he's had a happy life. So good. So this has bothered, okay. this has bothered me to, for years. Wait, I think we have to clarify. When he says that she fell into the mixture, it was a picture of her. It wasn't the, a woman who fell into the mixture. Oh, oh right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a photograph. I also possibly owe a copyright royalty to uh, Bill Watterson for use of the word transmogrified as if it was a... <laughs> totally. That's why this is then that didn't leave. term. That's why it's a made-for-TV. Um, but this has bothered me for a long time because they're, they're trying to explain it. And by explain, trying to explain this, which is already pretty thin, it creates so many other questions in terms of the franchise, which hasn't dealt with it, has gone in other directions. So if Herbie was made by a love-infused picture, which I guess was alive, because if if you take what the first Tennessee's theory of imbuing an object with love, then this is a -a one-of-a-kind thing. So Herbie was made by this process. Nothing else, no other car should be sentient, right? But what about all the sentient bugs in Ride Again and the trolley? And the, the uh, 
I think I think the only thing that can mean is Herbie's been fucking. <laughs> like those are all Herbie's kids, right? But then they all are owned by people, so they're all like on used car lots and sold and it's gets it means Herbie sold his children or allowed is it I mean is is it's Herbie's an Uncle Tom. That's what we're saying here. I'm saying it right now. It just gets all kinds of uncomfortable. With this retconning like, like like we said, he's he's pure Ed, he's like uh sorry kids, I gotta hit the road. Like the road calls. <laughs> the road calls. There you go. That makes you know, more sense. I gotta uh, Herbie comes first. <laughs> in race and in life. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean that makes that makes sense. He's all in. You're right. I guess it is consistent. So I feel so yeah. much better now. Um, he's, I mean, he's committed to little old ladies and their firehouses, but otherwise he... That's right. He's looking up for number 53. Now, not to belabor the point, but I want to show one more clip. And it's from this this 1997 love bug, which I actually think is pretty cute. I actually like the movie quite a bit. But this is about Herbie's personality. And one thing I think the Herbie movies have never successfully done to to my satisfaction anyway <laughs> is is never got right was the symbiotic relationship of the car and the driver it's like the first love bug had a lot to say about someone swallowing their pride and realizing that other people had something to do with your success and in some cases mm. had everything to do with your success right mm-hmm. like like jim believed he was the one who was making this car go winning these races when it was all herbie and having to put that aside and be okay with it was part of the themes of that movie, right? But as the movies go on, the need for the driver seems more and more needless and confusing, right? Like, what is the driver actually doing? It's not like How to Train Your Dragon where Toothless and Hiccup so clearly need each other. And by the end, they physically need each other to fly and get around, like to feel whole. They have a symbiotic relationship, but there's no such care taken in these Herbie movies. I don't know why I'm demanding it. <laughs> but but uh, they never got that right. And so I think in this script, they're attempting to do that here. And I think it falls flat. So what's happened up before this clip is that John, the evil driver, John Hanna, who had got the German scientist over, he tempts him into doing it again. Okay. And he basically, need, I need an object that you love more than anything else. And, and Dana Gould goes and gets the driver a picture of himself. Like, okay. John Hanna only loves himself more than anything else. So he gets him a picture of himself. So they instead, they make Horace the hate bug. <laughs> <laughs> Herbie's evil twin. It's an all black oh, bug boy. that hates with a passion. And then Horace basically kills Herbie, tears him piece, piece to piece. And then okay. right when Bruce Campbell realizes, you know, he's been an idiot and Herbie's alive and he needs him. And Bruce Campbell finds him in pieces and they have a funeral. They have a giant box oh. <laughs> that they're lowering into the ground. I mean, we've seen that Herbie can be torn in half and right. both halves will still independently be alive. Well, not independently. There's both still Herbie. Right. Exactly. You can just weld them back together. So they're having a funeral and then Dean Jones shows up as Jim Douglas. Oh. And he comes into this movie 
and says, um, "So is it in a big casket?" They had a huge casket. It was like, comically large. It was a big crate. It was like giant. And they're like out in a park somewhere. They're not even a graveyard. And they're about they're about to lower this thing into the ground, which I thought would have been funny <laughs> if they buried it and then exhumed it. That would have been funnier. Um, but uh, Jim Douglas comes in and says, "No, we're going to take him back. And we're going to put him back together." And they're like, "Ow, he's torn to pieces." He goes, well, we can do it. So Nobody knows how to assemble a car. <laughs> you need a scientist working in a laboratory to do this. So um, what you're about to see here is a scene in, in the garage. They're, putting, they're trying to put Herbie back together, and they have this little discussion about him. I want to see if this is, rings true or not. And again, I like this movie. I do. But there's just fitting the franchise together is weird. So... What was he like when you knew him? Oh, he was... He was everything we'd like ourselves to be. Loyal, giving, pure. Well, I wish I had that figured out before uh, this happened. Well, he'd understand. That's probably what he's best at, understanding. That and soaking up the personality of his owner, then giving it back to him. (laughs) I'm not exactly following him. <laughs> well, he uh, he becomes like his owner, and then helps them get what they need. So, it wasn't Herbie that whipped out to that secluded spot and locked the doors and all that. It was you, trying to get me alone. Me? No, it it was the car. <laughs> Herbie did that to me too. So I met my wife. Now, a couple of things there. Oh, so he's a plot device. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, a couple of... I like the... Ha, 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 I'm not following you. <laughs> so, I think your definition is exactly right. Herbie's all id. So, is he forgiving and understanding and everything we want ourselves to be i don't think so he's lovable for sure but i don't think he's any of those things and so but they said he absorbs the personality of the driver he's takes um i don't think we've ever seen that before what do you think uh i think another possibility is that herbie's a narcissistic sociopath (laughs) and he just manipulates the people around him emotionally in order to get what he wants. <laughs> that's, that's probably very true. He's a narcissistic sociopath. He's an Uncle Tom. He sells his children or abandons his children. Boy, why do we why do we have so many movies about this character? Yeah, so I think we got we got that figured out. Um, but then, so this leads to another thing. He says Jim Douglas says Herbie did that to me too. That's how I met my wife. So, wait, is this... Is this Which one? <laughs> is this Michelle Lee uh, from the first movie? Or is this, is this Carol from the first movie? Or is this Julia from... Because the, Monte Carlo was the first Herbie movie that doesn't end in a wedding, you know? Yeah. And so um, it ends romantically, but not at a wedding. So, so what is it? Did he leave his wife... Previously, or, and then he met, he didn't meet Julia this way. He met Julia on the track. So is there a third wife that Herbie did this to him with? 
Or if Herbie is constantly chasing tailpipe, <laughs> then he absorbed that from his from owner, from Jim Douglas. The there you go. And so Jim's just a serial womanizer, which maybe he, you know, I mean, he learned that at the tutelage of Wheelie, um, <laughs> Wheelie Applegate. Exactly. Played by Don Knotts, the 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 love god, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So yeah, so I think this this if it's either that or this supports your theory that he came over to Paris and is cheating on his wife. Hey, it's the '70s, man. Either way, this this just gets so uncomfortable. Yeah. Having having key parties. Car, car key parties. With with Herbie's with keys. Herbie's keys. So speaking of. Um, Don Knotts's uh, Lothario qualities and <laughs> female cars. So Don Knotts ends the movie. Wheelie ends the movie by hitting on uh, Miss Monte Carlo, who's like serving them martinis at the finish line. Better than milk. And uh, the movie ends with uh, <laughs> the, mov- the movie ends with uh, we see that he has picked her up and like they're watching. Uh, fireworks together again to make fireworks of their own so she is that actress is playing miss monte carlo mm-hmm. the last lasia the the lady car that herbie's in love with yeah um was only in production that sports car was only in production for like six years and there were like two models and one was the lancia monte carlo and one was the Lancia Scorpion. And the one of the movie is the Lancia Scorpion, not the Lancia Monte Carlo. <laughs> Why? 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 Why exactly? <laughs> Cause, yeah, because it should have been called Herbie Goes to Scorpion. Herbie Goes to... I loved the cars in this movie. It's mm. a good-looking car movie. Yeah, it is. It's, it's been a while since we've had cars with livery. With yeah, like, uh, you know numbers and paint jobs and stuff. I mean, not like uh, Death Race two thousand. <laughs> you know, they didn't look like race cars. Yeah. You'd see the races. Uh, Von so Stickel's car, cool. the Young and the Restless guy's car, um, not for nothing. Pretty reminiscent of Condor Man's eventual car a couple of years later. Oh, is that true? Okay. I mean, it, it's got the I, same I, basic shape. It's different. You got to paint the yellow and get some Condor leaves on there, but. It looked a lot like yeah. it. I even wondered if it what was the same car. What kind of car is that? I didn't look up all the models of the car, I didn't but either. that was, you know, that looked like a sleek, like, matchbox mm-hmm. car, like, you know, Hot Wheels. And that, you know, you expect the villain to be in a black car. Villain number two, the guy whose nose is poking out through his <laughs> eye visor in right. his helmet, uh, who doesn't, he's, he's pretty bland. He is. I mean, he's, he's, he's really just blonde. someone for Von Stickle to talk to. To look like there's... Yeah. Because that's it. Because he doesn't do anything. In fact, he, you don't even see him get out of the race. He's just on the side of the road going... Rrr. Like, they don't yeah. do anything with him. Yeah, it's awful. Well, they're kind of like Iceman and Wizard. <laughs> uh, you know, Iceman's there to just look down upon and uh, make snide remarks to our Jim Douglas Maverick. Mm-hmm. Which, weirdly, when um, I rewatched Top, Top Gun recently, I was like, I was on Iceman's side this, this time. <laughs> Yeah, it's like he's, Iceman is totally he's right. correct he's totally, in everything he says. He's smarmy about it, but he's totally right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maverick is uh, a menace. <laughs> yeah, and Iceman's a dick 
who's concerned for the safety of his fellow pilots, and that's why he <laughs> doesn't like Maverick. Exactly. <laughs> so bizarre. And then well, the race will end with Jim Douglas pulling a Maverick and doing the inverted. Oh my gosh, that's drive. right. Uh, he doesn't give the f- finger though. He doesn't flip the bird. It bothered me that there's no reaction shot from Von Stickel on that move. You just see him look up, mm. and then they they're above him, and then he comes. Which, by the yeah. way, a car being sentient automatically means it can defy physics, right? That's that's what <laughs> that's what sentience means, right? Well, you know, it's magic car, magic car. You know, you were so. <laughs> Upset with Dan Aykroyd trying to Touché. explain the magic car in, in Blues Brothers. And I wasn't upset with him. He was he was set right. He was set right. So, And what lesson have you learned? Yeah, I know. <sighs> you know what? You fucking got me. Um, <laughs> the... But it bothered me there was no reaction shot from him. There's no... Rea- there's no... Is there a scene with him after the race at all? No. No. no so that doesn't matter. Yeah, he served his purpose. <laughs> <laughs> to be a dick to him up front. Yeah, okay. All yeah. right. Because then we got this jewel heist thing we need to clear up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was the most important thing. We're all waiting to see what happens to, <laughs> to that inspector guy. <laughs> Very important. And, you know, and that once they, like, <laughs> who cracks the case? It's Jim. It's, and even yeah. though our Muppet Borat... <laughs> Uh, detective who I really I actually think he's funny I I, I really like his performance um, but even though he's standing right next to him like when he figures out that the wait somebody has to be a mastermind behind such a it's like real Batman yeah, Adam right. West kind of reasoning <laughs> right. wait somebody must have been a mastermind and you have a masterful mind therefore <laughs> it must be you and then you know the inspector like can't hide his reaction, whatever. And the, even though, like, there are authorities standing there, including the owner of the museum and the diamond, like, it's Jim who's like, hand that over to me. <laughs> I'm in charge here. I've got yeah. the laurel. Um, yeah, but very silly. It's very it's silly. It's very silly. But it's a part of the Wacky Race series for a reason, right? And because it hits some Wacky Race beats. In fact... It hits one of your favorite beats, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but it it's a it's a very unfun version. Yeah, let's talk, so, let's talk about that because I had a weird okay. reaction to it, and I want to I want to know what you thought. Like so so right. well, we got it. It's the culmination of an arc, and so we have to talk about. We should talk about arc. the arc. Right. All right, Herbie the Love Bug gets horny for this car. Very horny for. This. And so we're spending, you know uncomfortably horny. even more time in qualifying heats than we were in diamond heists <laughs> and uh we it the movie takes pains to tell us that um herbie's in not the current heat but the next heat but he spots this female car and so he zooms onto the track because he has to flirt mm-hmm. with and wag his tongue at uh at this at this pretty car and and the driver of that car, played by Julia Summers, uh, Diane, um, understandably does not presume that the car is sentient. And right. so she blames its driver. 
Uh, and the conclusion she leaps to is, it's because I'm a woman, you don't think I should be in the race. Not Which, that, Jim, you are flirting with me. Right. Um, well, it, make, me it, as a sex it makes sense because he's not going out there and doing that to other cars. So, you know, he's obviously wants one to stay out of the race. This person. I mean, maybe, you know, she's probably dealt with a lot of shit. Yes. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a female driver. I mean, I wouldn't um, so, leap to the fact that I'm being flirted with, honestly, because that's, that's just it's it's aggressive and horrible <laughs> what Herbie did. But it seems more like it's going to get Herbie and Jim yes! disqualified from the race from than her. Like, why nobody bats an eye except for the car, except for her car? Well, the fact that the officials are apologizing to her, say, "Oh, we, you you can you can qualify again. Uh, we're going to take no action against Mister Douglas." Because yeah. it's like, right. what? But why were you driving backwards in the wrong heat? Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why were you endangering how, everybody how, and not following how, any of the rules? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> uh, right. That will go without comment or <laughs> mention. Okay. So every time Check your Julia has a scene, it's all about... I'm a woman. I'm just as capable of you. I can run this race. I can, I'm in this race to win it. And all these men are trying to hold me back and I won't have it. Um, I am woman. Hear me roar. And I just have to say with Disney shoving all of these woke messages <laughs> down our throats these days, it's so nice to go back to when they just told simple stories <laughs> and didn't feel the need to have all this woke shit all the time. You know, just give me Don Knotts and his karate hands, you know? That's right. We're just here to have fun. Yeah. What's all this wokeness in Star Trek now? I mean, Gene Roddenberry's vision's being slandered. What? Yeah. Keep your politics out of (laughs) X-Men. God, that one. Oh, Jesus Christ. That one was stomach-churning. Oh, man, that was awesome. <laughs> so the culmination of this arc yeah. where she she doesn't believe Jim. Jim is barely trying to explain that Herbie is alive. He uses, he, he really kind of dances around the issue. Herbie's special. <laughs> and your car might be special, too. See, um, little Jimmy Stewart there. <laughs> it all comes to a head when in uh, a... a we're, well, we're still in the countryside. We're not to Monte Carlo yet, but we're getting close. And um, we don't see <laughs> we don't see what happens. But they spot her off the side of the road. Um, one of the many times Herbie's fallen way behind because he had an avalanche fall on him or something, and is now oh. passing everyone again. Well, we must also think that at the beginning of this race, Herbie was delayed. And the Lancia, oh, yeah. Lancia okay. let's talk about yeah. this scene. Let's talk about the this Lan- scene. The, the Lancia wasn't going to leave, uh, take off in the race yeah. until Herbie got there. And she's smitten. She's now. smitten. And yeah. she's like, not going to leave until she knows Herbie's okay or, or there or she wants to race with him. And the, the Julia believes someone sabotaged her car because they don't want right. him in the race. And uh, Jim's car's not here, so clearly he doesn't want me to participate. And so 
Don Knotts. And Herbie's being protected. Herbie's missing because it's too stupid. It's, it's too, too stupid, stupid to, yeah, this, this, it will not even bother. It's just, He's being protected by the detective because the jewel thieves are after the car. Which I, I blame Jim and Wheelie for not telling the police detective it needs to be at the track at 6 a.m. or it needs to also, be. Also, it's alive and can take care of itself. <laughs> right, that's true. Like, Herbie, just keep driving around all night and don't stop for anyone. Right, exactly. See you at the track. <laughs> yeah, just too stupid for words. Um, so Don Knotts talks to the to Lancia. Well, okay, I'm going to stop saying it because eventually you find out the car's name is Giselle at the very last moment. So, that's right. So Don Knotts talks to Giselle. They open the hood. Yes, and how does he talk to it? Like all, all warm and. No, oh. no. Like where does he oh, talk? Oh, that's to right. Her? He opens the hood and talks at her engine, right? Because that's how they talk to Herbie. No, no. like what? Why? It's like taking off her bra or something. Yeah, I think he was trying not to be seen by her. Or I don't know, but like you just, I'm justifying it. There's no justification. It was just to show off the funny way that the hood opens because the engine's yeah. also in the back in the Lancia, right. and it opens on the side. Yeah. So Don Knotts spins a lie that Herbie doesn't want anything to do with her. He's taking off. You're one of many. You're not the first. You won't be the last. You know, he's a, he's a scamp. He's a scat. He's a, he's a tailpipe chaser. Don't, you know, he's, he's forgotten about you already. Yeah. You're just another odometer on the mile. <laughs> right. Uh, on this, uh, I said it, God, I said it backwards. Which is pollen, man. Which is interesting because it shows Don Knotts knows his way around car people, but he, <laughs> but you know, he lays it on a little too thick, I think breaks her heart and gets her angry. So then yeah. Giselle's ready to just take this off. This is one of those devices used to see so much in this era, seventies and eighties right. where, you know, I'm going to tell you a lie to get you to do the thing I need. And then we're going to, you're going to find out that it was a lie. And I, 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 I I, that probably comes from Shakespeare, right? I like guess. that's from, you know. I know, but there's so, that shit. but still experiences like this leave leave emotional feelings. They don't go away when you find out it's a lie. You know, it stays with you. So anyway, yeah, it's like a little scar tissue. Yeah, it's like a little scar tissue like that. If, if anything, doubt. You know, always. Be. So then, when Herbie shows up, Don not spins another lie because Herbie doesn't want to leave. He's looking for Giselle. So then Don Knotts spins another lie and saying she took off without you. She didn't care. Says she's like all the other women. You know, it's like he spins this terrible yarn. And Herbie gets mad and takes off to the point where, and this is the part that I found really toxic, is that Herbie sees, and Jim and Elvis sees a summer and Giselle sinking into a lake. Right? Yeah. Herbie blows on by. I'm not even going to stop. <laughs> She's going to drown for the way she made me feel. They're both will drown. This is the love bug. <laughs> <laughs> A car born of love, promoting love. And he's going to say, you made me, you hurt my feelings. So you're not only dead to me, you're going to die totally. 
And so that was really, and then and then and then uh, Jim has to convince him to go back. And then um, I did like that that they made Don Knotts apologize. Like they they said this, you didn't need to do this. <laughs> I'm not letting you in this car until you apologize to me. <laughs> I mean, I. I, Jim Douglas, let you do it in the first place and didn't set the record straight until it was to my advantage. Right, but exactly. Hey. But hey, we you know you take on the personality of the driver. <laughs> socialist, yeah. no, 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 socialist, narcissistic yeah. sociopath. So then we do get the trope you were alluding to earlier of uh, dropping out of the race temporarily or permanently to perform a rescue. One racer rescuing another. The sacrificial act. Yeah, which um, is already tainted for the reasons you just explained. (laughs) But also, like, a lot of the fun of the rescue scene is you have a whole group of racers, and it's like, who... It's an unexpected alliance. Yes. Right? It's, It's... It should be a little surprising who stops to rescue who... Um, yeah, because didn't Gert Frobe stop in ja- Jaunty Jalopies? Didn't he stop to help? At one well, point? no, the 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 girl car stopped. Right, but earlier is the point where they're rescue bystander. Oh yeah, the, at, at the waterfall. Oh, yeah, yeah, at the waterfall, waterfall scene. Um, yeah, uh, right. Um, yeah, and so it's you know like it's throwing a new combination of characters yeah. together and seeing a sympathy form that you weren't necessarily expecting but here it's like well these are the only two racers that like each other it's expected that this is gonna happen yeah um well they don't like each other but like it's obvious like you know well like you said it was the culmination of an arc you know this is where this was the the expected unexpected about it at all yeah the terminus of gravity's rainbow (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) so it's not it's not the greatest rescue plus like the car's not actually sinking, and she's just panicking that she's in water. But <laughs> like, right? She's acting like she can't breathe, even though her she's head and shoulders above the water. Like, yeah, it doesn't really. And then how Herbie pulls Giselle out is magnetic bumper or something. <laughs> is just by like sucking on her with his his lips like i don't know like yeah, wait, yeah. who knows he just like t- touches bumper magic car ziggy magic car magic magic car magic car we don't need to know the rules <laughs> but then they have a little moment where they touch doors yeah, before he leaves um but they're knocked out of the race by being in the water herbie We've seen drive into the surf of San Francisco Bay. We've seen him go underneath a pond. We've seen him skip on top of a pond. In this movie, like in a, in like ten minutes previous in this movie, we've seen him drive right. fully submerged. Right. In a, with just Don Knotts' head sticking out and Jim Douglas drowning <laughs> for no reason because he doesn't have to hold the wheel or push the pedals. Exactly. There's no symbiotic yeah. relationship there. He Terby can just drive. What are you yeah. doing? Uh, so Herbie has no problem going under the water, but that's not a, a power all sentient cars have, apparently. Herbie is still special among special cars. Right, because this, he's the one we know about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then... Oh, by the way, that uh, that scene where they're waiting for Herbie to show up yeah, and the race has started. Like, it is excruciating, and it's like anti-fun... 
Right. This is the kind of thing that I hated as a kid. And I was really reliving that feeling of like the unnecessary delay where my reaction then and my reaction now watching the movie is it would be more fun if Herbie was here and running the race. Yeah. It would be like, is this, this isn't really adding tension. Like the start of a race is tense enough. Like, yeah, exactly. Them being in the car, Herbie being here and them starting the race and zooming off would be more fun and more tense. Like this is just, I mean, even this is just a cheap move to do what I don't know what. If you like, wanted a delay, give some sabotage to Herbie somehow. Like that's fine because that's tension. You know, it's more fun if Herbie's there, right? It's just lazy because it's easier to shoot. <laughs> exactly. We don't have to do nothing with the car. You know? There's no driving car. Yeah, exactly. Just like it's easier to shoot Herbie passing cars going ten miles per hour faster than them than racing neck and neck with them. Yeah. You know, there's one point in the when you said the one part where there actually is racing and Herbie like rounds a car and like gets in front of uh, Von Stickel. Um, yeah. There's a shot on that uh, the next shot where you see after he's rounded and he's getting in front of him. If you see like down the way, like like in the distance, a car ahead of them actually turns and crashes, but they oh, really? they cut away and you never see that. <laughs> Oops. So yeah, there's a brief moment <laughs> where you actually see a, what either either is an unintentional crash or a segment they cut out, you know, covered later and cut out. But uh, yeah. I, I think it was unintentional. But yeah, it's there. Well, that final run into Monte Carlo is pretty exciting racing, and we're seeing a route I think that we've seen in Monte Carlo or bust, mm. like that those twisty yeah. downward turns into the city from the 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 mountains above. Yeah, it really makes you hate. Herbie rides again for not doing any racing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the point. Like that was pretty exciting. Yeah. Like the, you could have a whole movie of that <laughs> and I'd watch it, you know? Uh, and then they get to the, they get to the final tunnel. Right. Well, wait, so we'll go back to the Lancia. So they're okay. knocked out of the race Yeah. and they go, well, that's it. I guess, you know, we're not winning. And then Jim said, who said anything about quitting? You know, we can still, jump back in for some reason only herbie is gonna, like they both both cars aren't going to jump back in for some reason i don't know why maybe because the one log car is waterlogged the yeah. herbie I, you know i don't know this is the part where i really start i started to cringe because i'm like our heroes make the sacrificial act pull julia out of the water do some obligatory romance stuff and then she's gonna not fulfill her goal of of finishing the race and our male like heroes are. So, what does the sacrificial act mean then at that point, other than just saving their lives, right? Like, yeah, like what is that? No sacrifice. Not much of a sacrifice. Um, however, I don't know if I want to say this, but I kind of I found it oddly touching this time that Julia. Like, they stopped, they got her out, and then she in turn, well, it's my turn to do the sacrificial act. You, Herbie, you aren't a quitter. You go. You know, we'll be fine. I guess the thing is, when I watched it happen, I felt she was having more of a hero moment than a fridging moment. You know what I mean? Like, she was having more of a hero moment than a facilitate things to make our the males guys win, you know? I, I don't know. 
Like she was just seemed she just became a bigger person in that moment to me. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't see how it would be fridging. I mean, well, fr- that wasn't the right word. That wasn't the right word. Yeah, but like basically saying, oh, you know, she's taking a second. We have to find a way for her to take second base because of her gender, you know. And so like we got to have our male guys win because that's what happens. Like normal, well, you usually could see that on the wall by them stopping to rescue her. That's when she finds out that they actually do care and that they right. You know, and the car is sentient, and her car is sentient. Yes, and she, right, and she believes them on that. And so yeah, I mean, I it was weird. I really kind of liked her in that moment a lot, and so I I didn't hate that. It was oddly sweet. I don't know if if I'm wrong to think that or not. <laughs> so they they win the race. We do the jewel thief thing, like the the jewel. Heist resolves the way it resolves. Then we later cut to the aftermath, not aftermath, after thing of, of Jim and Julia out on the town, painting the town red. They go out to the valet. Yes. <laughs> and they come out of dinner. She, and they say, she suggests a foursome. Oh, yes. Yeah, she suggests. Between them and their cars. <laughs> boy. Um. Not my words. No, not not his words. Those she are, says it. She goes, "How words. about a foursome?" Yeah, um, but I don't know exactly what she has in mind, but or but the way, logistically how it's going to be the, pulled and off. And I think she says that because the way the valet says, you know, when when uh, Jim Jago says uh, the VW, and the valet goes, the VW, <laughs> stricken like the waiter was stricken. But the way he it's, says it yeah, really sounds like he's back. thinking, "I just saw two cars fucking." <laughs> That's what clearly came across. I was, I was waiting to see like uh, the cover art from Aerosmith's Pump. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's what I think. That's what I think he saw. Uh, and then it ends with uh, looking out. I believe on the Sin. Is that right? No, it's a Monte Carlo. So uh, it be well, Monte Carlo. So yeah, river. Nice fireworks the going on. Mediterranean. Yeah. See, I don't know. And then, uh, like all the Love Bug movies, they begin and end with shots of aerial shots of a city, and uh, that's uh, it ends. And Herbie went to Mar. That's what they did. They should say, they should say at the end, Herbie went to Mar- Monte Carlo because it's <laughs> that makes more sense. And there you have it. So, how do you feel this fits into the uh, where where what has this supported about the Wacky Race series to you? Like, what what does this add to it? Is it just simple perpetuation? Because we we didn't really have a crew or multiple more than two racers that we were involved with. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think it's an outlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it has a number of familiar faces we ran down, but it's mm-hmm. not really an ensemble. Um, no, it's not at all. The villainer, the villainous the racers aren't really established as characters much. Um, uh, there isn't a lot of cheating. Um, Very little cheating. Yeah. But, I mean, if you win your race by driving upside down in a tunnel, that's pretty wacky. <laughs> So you said in equivalent dollars, this was a hundred and uh, like a hundred million dollar movie. Is yeah? How is this in terms of gross compared to everyone else? Is this the highest grossing wacky race movie we've done so far? Oh, not even close. Not even close. The biggest would be. Would it be it's a mad, 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 mad world, or 
yeah, it's a mad, 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 mad world. It's the biggest hit among all of these. No, the thing that everyone now wants to, I, we got to have more wacky yeah. races. Yeah, by a lot. Because, you know, if in 2020 dollars, 2020 dollars, it's a mad, mad, mad world makes like 300, almost 400 million dollars. Wow, it's doing in game numbers. And then those magnificent men in their flying machines is the number two with Yeesh. almost uh, with 250 million, <laughs> 2020 dollars. Uh, well, they're big epic yeah, movies, yeah, you know. They yeah. were big like event movies, and these other ones are all really small, scrappy, you know. In comparison, yeah. Um, but no, this would be number th- three. Oh, really? Yeah. So that high? Wow. So yeah, this is definitely the biggest hit among the seventies ones. Wow. The tertiary film in, a, in the Herbie series. Coming in three. Wow, yeah, all right. That makes sense. So you're asking me, I mean, that, that's not a question you've asked me in uh, about other movies. So it's just like, uh, is that you asking me, like, were we right to do this episode? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we did it. This is one of my question of us too. This is one of my better viewing experiences. It's a wackier race than Jean Dielman too. That's for certain. And it's a wackier race than Cannonball. You know. Exclamation point. AKA I mean, what's wacky about John Dealman too is other than Andy Warhol showing up, is just the fact and that the dinners John Dealman is in a race, right? That's and the, the well, uh, and the potato field card, the potato okay, field card. Pretty, yeah, there's that, and the, just 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 the the, well, the whole concept in general. Yeah, it's just the fact that we yeah we are here doing this. That was the yeah, but I mean, it's a this is our first sentient car in a race. True. Yeah. This is our you know. We do have yeah. Diamond Thieves. We do have a plot element from Monte Carlo or Bust transplanted into a Herbie movie. They're driving to Monte Carlo. I mean, it, it's. I think it has uh, uh, aligns with the series in a number of ways. Yes, I, th- I think its relevancy is secured. I'm just what I'm. What I'm curious about is is building not just the tropes, but the the overall. Meaning and cultural significance of the wacky race subgenre as we go along, because we are—it's being built as we do this. So yes, but it's clearly going in a <laughs> cannonball run direction, right? Yes, and this is an outlier. This is you know this is like a '60s version story in a '70s version sized car, right? The little car. The little car. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that we're back in Europe instead of doing a, you know. Don't I know? We do coast-to-coast American movies now. We don't do these European things. Well, if you want to go to Monte Carlo or uh, or drive a sentient car while there, let us know. Send us a email at youwatcheditwrong at happypanic.net. We're also on Twitter at youwatcheditwrong. That's you watched it. Uh, you with letter U. Watched it wrong. And our Facebook page is spelled correctly. But we're most active on Letterboxd. Uh, he is Siggy Lama. I am Carney of Steel. Uh, you want to check out what we're doing there. And again, you might just find out what our next thing is. But we our next movie is what we promised two episodes ago. Yeah. What we've been telling you and telling you. you tell, we're, well, just, we're having trouble finding it. We have a checklist of movies that we need to search for. We've been... We've been looking high and low. We've been knocking on doors. We've been checking every room in the house. We've been taking toilets out of rooms with with the water still on. 
Sorry. Let's see if we can find Scavenger Hunt. 1979? 1979. Yeah, right before the 80s. Christmas release. Ooh, just barely making it at the end of the decade there. Squeezing it in. And if you thought it wasn't going to be a Herbie movie or a Wacky Race movie until we had some casual racism that required driving through a camp of Roma (laughs) and their fortune teller tent, you watched it wrong. Yeah, we didn't talk about the gypsy camp. (laughs) Uh, For probably good reason. Had to work that in.